Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 17, 8 through 18, called Lean on Me. We are in Exodus chapter 17, 8 through 16. Lean on me is the title of the text. Let me just tell you a little bit about the history of this text. For me, 14 years ago, uh, in August, I preached this. It was August 2nd, 2007, to a mixed congregation. It's when Living Truth was actually, just before the church was born, two congregations came together And we went over to their place, and this was the text that the Lord had put on my heart. And I had called it at that point, Hold My Hands Up, and you'll see why. But my new title is Lean On Me, and there's definitely been some things added to it. And most of you have forgotten the sermon from 14 years ago if you were here anyway. But it marks the time of 14 years of God's faithfulness to this fellowship. And it has grown, and it has expanded its reach, and to God be the glory. Exodus 17, lean on me. If you are able to physically stand, would you do so as we read the text together? Exodus 17, verse 8. It reads this way, Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Exodus 17, 9, choose men for us and go out, fight against Amalek, Tomorrow I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Joshua did as Moses told him, fought against Amalek, and Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held his hand up that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed, verse 12. But Moses' hands were heavy. Then they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until sunset. And so Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And so Moses built an altar, 15, and named it. The Lord is my banner. And he said, The Lord has sworn the Lord will have war against Amalek from generation to generation. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Let me pray over us. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful text that will teach us much about our life of worship. It is a great picture of what a life needs to be focused on God. When our eyes are on you, we're winning, Lord, and usually when our eyes are not on you, we're losing. And I pray that what you want us to hear and apply, you would help us to hear it and apply it, soften our hearts, and I pray that you would speak and uh, draw us close to you and be glorified in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is called Lean on Me, and I, I think you can see from the text that Moses becomes a picture, literally, of the ultimate prayer warrior. We've heard over the years, if you've been a Christian for a while, that there are prayer warriors. And what does that mean? 
Well, that they fight in prayer, that they may have a, uh, a deeper commitment to prayer, or they're just a person who has a desire to pray for people constantly. We call them prayer warriors. And there is an aspect to spiritual life and spiritual warfare where that is exactly what we need to be doing. We need to be warriors in prayer. In fact, the seventh piece of armor and the famous seven pieces in Ephesians 6, 10 through 20 is prayer, often overlooked. But we need the word of God and we need prayer. And Moses was an older guy at this point and he did not go down into the valley to fight Amalek. He stationed himself on the top of the hill. And if you read anything on this section, you will find out that scholars will say that the battle was won on the top of the hill, not down in the valley. But the battle still needed to be fought in the valley. And I see here a two-pronged attack. We as a church do a lot of different things. We do radio ministry. We have missionaries. We have an evangelism team. We do outreach. We do many other things, church services. And each of the services that you attend are bathed in prayer. There's a group of people who come and pray because without the power of God, we can do nothing. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We must abide. We must pray. And so here's Moses And this is the most picturesque uh, account that I can think of in the Bible of how we fight our battles. I can't think of the artist's name right now, but he sung, this is how I fight my battles. Is it Michael W. Smith? Uh, Anyway, this is how we fight our battles. We fight our battles in prayer, but more specifically in keeping our eyes on the Lord. Now, what the Lord's been doing with Israel has been teaching them faith lessons. And remember, he has given them manna from heaven, which is a picture of the bread of life, Jesus. And he's given them water out of the rock. And that's a picture of the living waters that Jesus promised would come to us. And they would ultimately be the power of the Holy Spirit within us. So each of the miracles that happened, the manna and the water from the rock, point to deeper truths. But here's what was going on within Israel. Israel's main enemy at this point is not external. It is internal. They were complaining. They were whining. They said, why did you bring us out here to die? We don't have anything to eat. They got the manna. Why did you bring us out here to die? We don't have any water to drink. They got the water. And God was teaching them how to rely upon him and trust him. And that's what he's doing in our lives. So sometimes things may get a little bit thin, sometimes a little bit difficult, and God is teaching us how to depend on him. And there's another area that he wants us to depend on him, and it is in the area of spiritual warfare. He supplies the bread of life. He supplies the water of life. And even though we are saved by grace through faith, we have a battle to wage. And the battle is against the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, I will say to you that as much as we could talk about principalities and powers and demonic forces, and we certainly wrestle against those, we have another issue. And I think it's here in the text. And the issue is the war within, the war with our flesh. I've often met the enemy, and he's staring right back at me in the mirror if you know what I'm saying. Oftentimes, the ugliness that comes from within, 
the ugliness of the flesh. Paul put it this way. What I want to do, I don't do. And what I hate, I often find myself doing. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this flesh? And then he begins to praise God for the victory that's found in Jesus Christ. As much as we do have an external battle with principalities and powers, we have an internal battle going on. And it's the battle with our flesh. It's the battle with, have you ever had a, a moment like this where you're, you just say to yourself, I can't believe I thought that. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe that that response came out of me. And sometimes we even do it with our nonverbals. We kind of, and we say plenty without even speaking a word, right? But we're Christians And for many of you, you've been Christians for a long time, but you can see how your flesh can rear its ugly head. Peter writes about this when he says, 1 Peter 2, 11, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against the soul. 1 Peter 2, 11. If you read some commentators on Amalek, Amalek becomes a picture of the war that we all battle with our flesh, with our old humanity, with the part of us that is still waiting to be redeemed, but not yet redeemed. We face this battle every moment of every day, and we're going to get a key of how to win that battle. But that is the battle with the flesh. Something that you need to know about Amalek. Look at verse 8, 17 of Exodus. Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. Amalek was an ancestor of Esau. And you might remember that Esau and Jacob were twins. And they even wrestled in the womb. And Esau is called in Hebrews chapter 12, an immoral and godless man. And if you know anything about Esau, you know that he elevated the carnal or the fleshly above the spiritual. He was willing to sell his birthright for basically a pot of soup or a bowl of stew. He just was a man in the moment. He didn't think about the future. He didn't elevate spiritual things. And there was a wrestling match that went on. And one of his ancestors is Amalek. And Amalek is a picture of the battle with the flesh. And we're going to battle this all of our lives. We all know the battle. We know the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Galatians 5.17 says the two are contrary one to another so that sometimes we don't do what we want to do. We don't do the things that we would wish to do. And this is the battle that we all face, the battle with Amalek. In verse 8 of chapter 17, Amalek came and attacked Israel. This seems to be the history of the Jewish people. They get attacked. Uh, it was unprovoked. And they were attacked at this place called Rephidim, Rephidim. Now, this is known as a resting place. Pastor Matthew preached on this. And Rephidim was a resting place, kind of an oasis. But it was also a place where war broke out. I can't help but think of there's times that we, you know, we go to a place that should be restful for us. And what happens? War breaks out, right? And we would expect that maybe this is the place that I'll find rest. It could be at the end of a long work day. It could be whatever situation you may find yourself in. And you think you're going to rest and then the enemy comes and attacks. And this is what Amalek did. Amalek attacked 
Israel. Amalek means warlike. They are a warlike, wandering people, and they exploited Israel as they were marching by God's leading. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in other books of the Bible. And would you please do us a favor and encourage a friend or a family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this radio station? The same if you're listening on podcast. You can always just click that share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then hopefully they will do the same for someone you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the We'd word. We'd love about to see who's trip. listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. By God's leading. Now I want to show you some commentary on what happened here. This is Deuteronomy, so it's the fifth book of your Old Testament. Turn there. I wanted to show you what Moses said about what happened with Amalek attacking Israel. This is Deuteronomy 25. We're going to pick it up at verse 16. So you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. 25, 16 says, Everyone who does these things, everyone who acts unjustly is an abomination to the Lord your God. Remember, Deuteronomy 25, 17, what Amalek did to you along the way. When you came out from Egypt, how he met you along the way and attacked among you all the stragglers at your rear when you were faint and weary and he did not fear God. Therefore, it shall be, Deuteronomy 25, 19, when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your surrounding enemies In the land which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance to possess, you shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. You must not forget. Notice, Bible students, Amalek attacked the stragglers at the rear. They attacked the faint and the weary. There are scholars that believe they attacked women and children. Back to Exodus, it's also possible that they attacked the elderly who couldn't keep up with the pace of the caravan. Whomever this is speaking of, they are identified as stragglers. And we know that it's always dangerous to be a straggler. Amen? Kind of behind the pace of the group. We know that the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. If you've ever watched those kind of National Geographic, uh, you know, animal things, you'll see that they'll show the lion on the prowl and then this little skittish deer will come down the watering hole and you're like, get out of the house, get out of the house. He's lurking in the bushes, right? And it will become the prey of the enemy. Why? Because it's solo, away from the pack, straggling, if you will. And there's a lot of Christians that are stragglers, and they get picked off by Amalek. Now, the picture really here, though, is of the flesh. And sometimes we're just not in a good routine with our walk. We're not keeping pace. We're not walking with the Lord, and we're easy pickings for Amalek. Amalek, best described, was kind of like ancient pirates of the day. And they tried to exploit people who were traveling and pick off, you know, the booty and the treasure and whatever they could take. And it was clear that they did not fear God. And here's the interesting thing about Esau. Amalek being an ancestor of Esau, this was family. They were kin. 
so that the enemy that attacked was an unexpected source. Sometimes when our flesh rears its ugly head, we're like, oh, I can't believe that came from inside of me. But that's often how it works, is that we disappoint ourselves. And sometimes we can see even darkness and struggle within. And so spiritual warfare occurred, or in this case, real warfare, against the stragglers at the rear. And so what, what would they do? Well, back in Exodus 17, Moses, the leader, instructed Joshua. Note, this is the first mention of Joshua in the Bible or in the book of Exodus, but he's obviously known. He said, choose men, Exodus 17, 9, for us, and go out and fight against Amalek. Tomorrow, so they had a day to prepare, I will station myself on the top of the hill. We don't know what hill it was. And he says, I'll have the staff of God in my hand. When, we don't know if God specifically prompted Moses to go up on the hill. Uh, we would assume that he did. But either way, Moses takes that rod of the Lord, that, that shepherd's staff that had been transformed. This is the last mention, the first mention of Joshua in the Bible and the last mention of the staff in Scripture. And Moses says, this is what I'm going to do, but I want you to choose some men to fight this enemy, which actually ended up being a kin or a family member. And I'm going to go up on the top of the hill. Who would Joshua get to fight? So far, Israel has had no warfare with anybody. The only battle they've experienced really was God destroying the Egyptian army with the Red Sea. They didn't even have to do anything. All they had to do is watch and see the ultimate warrior fight the battle for them. But now they're called to fight. Which men could fight? What weapons did they have? How would they go about this? Had Joshua been doing some training of men along the way as they move to different spots? I don't know, but I would assume so. And so Joshua has been given the task now to choose an army. If you were reading the Greek form of Exodus, and there is a Greek form of it called the Septuagint, the name here would be Jesus, because Joshua is the Hebrew form of Jesus, which is his Greek name. Now, Joshua isn't Jesus, but he's a picture of the coming Lord. And this is an insight into how we fight the battle. Romans thirteen fourteen says this, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 13, 14, and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. The way that you make no provision for the flesh is by putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, some of you are saying, what does that mean? How would I put on Jesus? You've been listening to Lean On Me, part one on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 17, verses 8 through 18. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, we'd love it if you would join us this Sunday morning for church service at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. Now, you can do that whether you live in Southern California or not. We live stream our 1030 a.m. service. But if you're in the area, we'd prefer if you come in and fellowship in person. You can get service and live stream information when you visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, you may be asking, you know, you, you talk about putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, but how do I do that? What are the mechanics of that? Maybe you are a, 
uh, engineering type of mind. And you're like, man, I don't get this stuff. Remember, the Bible oftentimes is communicating truth in metaphor. So to put on the Lord Jesus Christ is a metaphor. What does it mean? What, what does it look like? Well, in the same way that you would put on clothing, you're supposed to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you might say, well, that gets me a little bit closer, but I'm not there. What does that mean? Well, it means that you make an intentional move towards the things of the Spirit. Like you would grab a jacket on a cold day and put it on, you've got to do something to put on the things of the Spirit. And what would that be? Well, you're doing it right now. You may not know it, but as you listen to Christian radio and the Word of God goes out, you're putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. As you study your Bible, you're putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. As you walk by faith, as you walk in the Spirit, as you pray, as you turn on worship music and sing, you're putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. See, what it means is simply this. It's a metaphor for diving into the things of the Spirit, putting them on instead of other things. And you'll find that it will actually lighten your load and give you the power that you need to live for Christ. This is Pastor Michael Lance, and we're one of in one of my favorite sections of the book of Exodus, and for that matter, the Bible, the story of Amalek and Moses going up on the hill and raising up his hands to God. We've called it Lean on Me because the whole Christian life is really about leaning on the Lord. The Lord is my banner. I pray that that's what he is for you. If you've never learned to lean on him, you know, he wants you to. He is the rock. He is that strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. He is our banner. And if you've not met him or maybe you're a prodigal and you feel like you're a million miles away, maybe you stumbled onto this radio station in quotes and you've been listening and you're like, man, I've been leaning on everything except the Lord And things are given way in my life. Yep, been there before, been there, done that more times than I'd like to tell you. But what I found is that when I lean into him, there is stability. It doesn't mean that everything's perfect, but he is faithful. Hey, if we can help you lean into the Lord, would you reach out to us? Walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We do have pastors here Tuesday through Friday during normal Pacific time business hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. I think the most important thing is, first and foremost, trust in the Lord. Rededicate your life if you're a prodigal. Tell him you believe what the Bible says about the gospel, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, who he is, what he's done, and that you want to follow him. And pick up your Bible. Maybe go to the Gospel of John and just start reading, man, and just say, Lord, I want to know you. He is so faithful to meet you right there. Hey, uh, January 5th, we have a very special 633 event coming up here at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, where I serve as senior pastor here in the city of Corona. And on February 5th, really one of the top apologetic voices uh, in our really world on the issue of abortion and life is Scott Klusendorf. 
And Scott Klusendorf is actually going to speak at our morning services, 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m., and come back for a 6.33 event on the evening of February 5th. In his image is the title of the message, A Case for Life in a Post-Roe v. Wade World. Now, you all know that this is obviously a very controversial topic. It is literally sometimes feels like it split our country in half. But what Scott does a great job is with is he gives arguments, reasonable arguments, so that when you're uh, talking with a friend, debating with a coworker, whatever it may be, Scott will give you re- well-reasoned uh, answers to see uh, what the Bible says about life, but to see what reason and logic say about it as well. This will be a night for growth. If you come back for the 633 event, there'll be a Q&A time. We'll have a chance to interact with Scott on this issue of life and abortion and questions that you may have as well. You can uh, join us that night on February the 5th, and you can get information and directions to Living Truth when you go to walkintruth.com. Click on that church tab. That's walkintruth.com. Click on the church tab. Hey, I would love to see you out here if you're a radio listener. If you have a home church, and I hope you do, come on out for the evening and grow in your most holy faith. 633 at Living Truth in Corona. Check it out on February 5th. I hope you'll join us. God bless you. And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $10 a month or give a one-time gift. Please visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us on Monday for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 17, 8-18 called Lean on Me. I'm Mike Massaro. Have a great weekend and thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.